This week's episode is Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and if you've seen the movie, you know there was no cold open. Right out of the gate, they dropped the title card for Marvel and got right to the action, so today, we're doing the same thing. Colby, give me that music, buddy. My name is Johnny J, and this is Episode 7 of the DMSW Podcast. So like I said, this week's episode is on Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And man, oh man, I cannot wait to talk to you guys about this movie. I felt differently after watching this movie than I have felt after any Marvel MCU movie I've watched before. So very excited to give you guys my opinion and let you know how this movie made me feel. But like I said, just in the mo- like in the movie, we're going to cut right to the action here. We're going to hit the news of the week like we do on every episode here on the DMSW podcast. News out of Disney this week, Tron Light Cycle Run had its first full-speed launch test over Magic Kingdom. If you follow Disney Imagineering or the Disney Parks accounts over on Instagram, head over there now and you can check out the video from earlier this week. Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party tickets officially went on sale earlier last week for resort hotel guests. Tickets will be going on sale to the general public on May 18th, so if you are afraid that your day of choice is going to run out, or sell out soon, go book your next vacation and uh, call and get some tickets. In the Marvel category this week, obviously Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness dominated the box office once again, bringing up their numbers to get them into the number two spot for both the domestic and the worldwide box office for highest grossing movies of 2022, trailing just The Batman. The Disney UK website accidentally posted information about the new She-Hulk series coming to Disney+. They listed the start date, or the first air date, of Episode 1 as August 17th. So, be interesting to see if that uh, was some bad information, or if that ends up being true, because that would give us three months in a row of Marvel content. We would get Ms. Marvel in June, we get Thor Love and Thunder in July, and then the She-Hulk series in August if that story ends up working out to be what was leaked. In the Star Wars category this week, really not a lot of stuff going on. The Obi-Wan Kenobi series comes out later this month, so the press junket has started. Uh, So there's tons of stories out there, tons of content. If you want to go see Ewan McGregor or Hayden Christensen talk about what's going to be going on in this season, it's it's almost like a a Tom Brady interview. Uh, You're not going to get a lot of information. It's just them talking about how happy they are and how much they love doing it, but there's not going to be any spoilers coming out of them. They're just uh, laying the groundwork, trying to get people excited for the show. But over in Galaxy's Edge, supply chain issues from COVID have made it to a new part of Disney. The Droid Depot over there in Batuu has been running out of R2 parts. So if you're looking to build one of these robots with your kids or for yourself on an upcoming Disney trip, Just be prepared because right now they are basically down to 50% of their normal stock levels of droid parts. And they're telling fans that they have no ability to build a full R2 robot right now. You can only build the BB style of droids. So that's it. That's, That's your news of the week. And thank goodness because, like I said, I am fired up to talk to you guys about this movie today because... For all the Marvel movies that I've seen, all the I've seen everyone obviously in the in the MCU. This was the first time that I I was I was angry when the movie was over. I was visibly I was like gritting my teeth. I was so annoyed at the choices that they made in making this movie. But at the same time, I didn't hate the movie. I don't think it was a bad movie. I just I I hated the way they did the movie. I hated a lot of the choices that they made with this movie. And and maybe the most the thing that has made me the most annoyed were the trailers. To me they showed way way too much of what was going to happen in this movie in those trailers. The biggest spoiler moments that happened in the movie were revealed in the trailers. So you, you, there was no. You're, you're so used to an MCU movie 
as you go through things, you have these jaw-dropping moments that just blow the doors off it for you. And when those two moments happened, it was like, yeah, whatever. I, I mean, I've known this since like three months ago when, when I saw the trailer and, and knew that this was coming anyway. So just really odd choices for Marvel in this one. And it just, just really annoyed me. Just not, not a fan of, of what they did here. So before we really start going into the nuts and bolts of it here, Basically, what I want to do for you guys is explain how these episodes are going to go. When I review a Marvel movie or Star Wars movie or or even some of the Disney movies that will be coming up on the schedule later this year, I want you guys to understand that this is, this is a spoiler-heavy podcast. And apologies on my part, because I never really explained that before I did my Pixar movie rankings episode or even Moon Knight last week. So. My idea for for my podcast here, the way I wanted to do it is is I want every time a new Marvel show or Marvel movie or Star Wars or even Disney movie comes out, I want to talk to you guys about it. I want to give you my opinions on it. I want to tell you what I liked. I want to tell you what I didn't like because that's what I love about podcasting and, and the shows that I try to check out because every time I see a new movie or watch a new show, as soon as it's over... I want to talk about it with my kids or my friends or whoever I saw the movie or the show with. I just want to talk about it and and give your opinions back and forth. And, and then the next time I'm alone in the car, I want to put on a podcast on my way to work or wherever I'm going out to do errands or whatever. I'm throwing on a podcast because I want to hear other people and I want to hear their opinions on it. And that's that to me, that's that's the fun part of these Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars other podcasts that are out there is I love hearing other people's opinions and, and finding out how we see things differently and, and talking about it. So by all means, I know, I'm, like like I've had in, in some of previous episodes, I'm going to ruffle some feathers with some of these opinions that I'm going to have, but I want you guys to reach out. I want you to tell me what you think of the movie, what you liked, and if, if there's something that I hated that drove me nuts, but you loved it, let's talk about it. because. That's that's kind of the other thing that's different about maybe my show and and the way I see things. To me, and and maybe it's just the the New England mentality in me or the Boston mentality, but I love debate. There's and to me, there's nothing wrong with that. And not everybody's like that. Some people, if if you have something negative to say or or you don't agree with somebody else. They have to put you down, and they have to try to force you to see it their way, and if you don't see it their way, then you're the problem, and you're an idiot, and you're a moron, and why can't you do it the right way? And that's that's not me. That's not my style. To me, there's nothing wrong with two people seeing things completely differently, going back and forth, debating it, and then when it's all over, just go your own happy way, and... A, a perfect example, I guess, uh, let me put it to you this way, is a few weeks ago when I did my Pixar rankings, the movie that I put in dead last was the new Pixar or the newest Pixar movie that had come out, um, Turning Red. And to me, the, the movie just did nothing for me. I didn't like the movie. I didn't like the choices that, were, that the director made. And it, it just it felt a little jumbled and all over the place. Like, and, and I even threw out the director's quote where basically seemed like, she just really liked red pandas, thought they were super cute, so she decided to make a movie about it, and then, like, came up with the story after the fact and tried to shoehorn it in to fitting around the fact that red pandas are cute. Now, somebody else that I know, Mindy from the M&M Disney podcast, which you should go check out her show uh, and listen to her episode on it, because, to me, the number one movie on my Pixar rating list was Coco because for me I had a very personal connection to Coco. Things that happened to me in my life all came coming back through my head when I watched Coco, made it super emotional and it just took the movie to a new level for me. Now she had that reaction to Turning Red. That movie was very personal to her. It it brought back memories for her. It and she got emotional talking about it on her episode and to me, that's that's what this podcasting thing is all about. That that's the fun of it. That is what is awesome is two people seeing something, and there is nothing wrong with one person absolutely hating it and another person absolutely loving it, and talking about it and going back and forth. That's 
that's at least for me that's that's what I love about it. So if I'm ruffling your feathers today with some of these opinions on this movie, please reach out. Let's talk about it. I want to know why you liked what I hated and vice versa. If we both hate the same thing, let's talk about it. Let's do it. So reach out the DMSW podcast at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at the DMSW podcast. I have a Facebook page under the DMSW podcast. So like I said, reach out and let's definitely talk about this movie because there is a ton to talk about. So I think the best way to do it here is I think I'm going to just kind of run through the summary of what happens in the movie. So again, spoiler warning. We're getting into it. We're talking about every detail of this movie from start to finish. And as we hit these points that I like or don't like, I'm just going to tell you kind of in the moment. And as usual, I'll always kind of take a peek at the Rotten Tomatoes site and kind of see where the critics are pointing this movie, where the, the fans are putting this movie. And with Doctor Strange, the critics have it at a 74% right now, and the audience has it at an 86%. And like I said, it was. For me, it w- it's the weirdest I've ever felt after a Marvel movie because I, I honestly, I don't think it was a bad movie. It was decent, but I just hated the choices that they made. To me, they left so much on the table and this movie could have, I honestly, this movie to me could have been in the top five Marvel movies of all time if they just did a few different things along the way. But I think, if I was going to score it, I, I'd be closer to where the critics rating uh, was on this one. I, I think I'm in the low 70s, high 60s type of range for this movie because it's just I, I keep coming back to it. But it's just it's weird. It wasn't I didn't feel like it was a bad movie. I just I just hated the way they went about it. So and, and I, I guess the easiest way to say it is right out of the gate is the title of the movie. I hated the title of the movie. To me, this should have been a Wanda and Scarlet Witch movie. It, it was, she, she was the, to me, she gave the better performance. Not that Benedict Cumberbatch mailed it in or, or didn't give a good effort here. I, I thought he was very good in the movie. But, I mean, if, if you've seen WandaVision, you're aware of, of Elizabeth Olsen has taken herself to a new level. Of, of acting and she might be the best pure actor or actress in all of the MCU. So her performance in WandaVision was just absolutely emotional, incredible, and it, it for a lot of fans it, it really brought you closer to that character and wanted you to see more of, of what she had to bring to the table. And after seeing the movie and seeing kind of how things came through I, to me, it, it should have been more about her. I, I feel like if... I don't know what the exact breakdown is of screen time between Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch, but I, I think if you total up the minutes, it would probably work out to be pretty close to almost the same. Maybe a 50-50, maybe a, a few extra minutes with Doctor Strange. But I, I think this could have been a better movie if instead of calling it Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, it was called... I don't know, Scarlet Witch and the Battle for the Darkhold or Scarlet Witch Mother's Day Madness. But to me, the, the title just didn't fit the movie. If if you're going to tell me the movie is called the Multiverse of Madness, I am I am going into this movie thinking it is going to be insane how many different times Doctor Strange and America Chavez jump into different multiverses. And it was basically going to be cameo fest 2022 for the mcu we were going to get almost every character you've ever seen in the mcu on screen at some point even if it was just for a split second even without speaking lines in the movie there would be multiverses that we would jump to where you would see tom cruise as iron man you would see leonardo dicaprio as spider-man you would see all three spider-men again you can't have a movie called multiverse of madness and then only have four multiverse universes that you go to. And think about it. Do the math out. Movie starts, Bad Dream Universe, and America jumps to our MCU. That's one. Then our MCU, Wanda attacks at Carmitage, and Doctor Strange grabs America and jumps through the portal. They go to the Illuminati multiverse. That's two. 
Then from the Illuminati universe, Wanda attacks once again. She gets America Chavez this time, and she throws Doctor Strange and Christine into the universe with the Strange Supreme version, with the, the creepy New York falling apart. That's three. And then that's it. The last, after that, then he comes home. So really not even four. What's that, three? Three different universes for our Doctor Strange? That's not a multiverse of madness. That you sold us a movie called The Multiverse of Madness and you gave us just three new universes. It, that doesn't work. So the fact that you only got three new multiverses kind of goes hand in hand with the lack of cameos that you got from this movie. So for at least for me, for, for months building up to this movie, I'm thinking, okay, it's called Multiverse of Madness. We're going to get 10, 12 different jumps through different multiverses. We're going to see every different version of all our favorite MCU characters. We're going to see our the actors that we know. We're going to see new actors. It's going to be madness, right? I mean, why would I think it would be a multiverse of madness? It's only literally the title that they picked for the movie. So right off the top, I think if they had just picked a different title for the movie, my expectations would have been completely different going into it. And, and I wouldn't have even had the chance to be aggravated at the fact that there was hardly any jumping between multiverses and hardly any extra cameos in the entire movie. But because they chose to do it this way, and, and with just the, the three limited universes, they didn't really have a ton of cameos in this. or in, Not even cameos, but new characters. You got America Chavez, who was probably the, the third most popular or third most screen time in the entire movie behind Doctor Strange and Wanda. And she was in all the trailers. To me, I mean, that's... I, I just don't, I don't understand the, the shift in Marvel. I feel like you think back to Infinity War. People, after coming out of seeing the movie, they're like, we got completely duped by the trailers. The trailers tricked us into thinking we were going to see this scene and that scene and we were going to see the Hulk running through uh, Wakanda and he was never even he wasn't Hulk after the first few minutes of the movie so I just don't understand why they've now completely gone in the other direction and it seems like Marvel is willing to give up all the spoilers or all the big jaw-dropping moments right in the trailers. You knew America Chavez was going to be in this movie months ago. And to me, they it was fun to see how they started this movie off right in the middle of the action with, with Defender Strange trying to help America Chavez. That was awesome. It was exciting. It was fun right out of the gate. So just think of how awesome that would have been that's the first time you found out that America Chavez was in the movie. So let's go back in time. All the trailers that you've seen for Multiverse of Madness, let's pretend there's not, not one second of America Chavez, not one clue that she's going to be in this movie. Don't show me a star-shaped portal in the background. Zero hints whatsoever. And you go into the movie theater, you sit down, and the first thing that you see is Defender Strange and America Chavez running away from this giant monster. You're going to be like, what? what what, the heck is going on? Your doors are going to get blown off. And that's when the movie's over. That's all you're going to be talking about. How do they keep America Chavez secret? She was one of the most important characters in this entire movie. Man, that was incredible that they were able to keep that secret. Think back to if you're a Star Wars fan and you saw Mandalorian. Think of what it was like when you saw Luke Skywalker in the, in the, the finale episode. I mean, it was mind-blowing to think that they were able to keep Luke Skywalker a secret from a Star Wars project. That was amazing. And to me, they blew that opportunity with this movie by putting her in all the trailers. I just don't understand why they did that. And the same thing with the Illuminati. They didn't tell you exactly which superheroes you were going to get, but you knew they were going to be in it. The theater that I was in... When, they, when, when Mordo said for the first time, You're, we're going to take you to the Illuminati, everyone's like, oh, whoa, what, what? As, and all I could think was, did you not see the trailers for the movie? We all knew this was coming. We knew we were going to get this scene. We just didn't know exactly which superheroes we were going to see. But you saw the chairs. 
You saw all the other clues. You heard Patrick Stewart's voice. You knew that Professor X was going to be in this movie back in January or February when these trailers started coming out. It's I just I don't understand why they did that. The they had an opportunity twice with the Illuminati and with America Chavez because they obviously chose not to really do a multiverse of madness. So they had an opportunity to absolutely blow your doors off with those two surprises and they put them both in the trailer. There was there was no no twit no plot twists, no um, like secrets to me in this entire movie. And and to me that is one of my favorite parts of Marvel is is seeing new characters show up, seeing new plot lines come out that you had no idea were even on the table. You didn't see any spoilers ahead of time. You didn't hear anybody talking about them. Just there you are, the night of the movie in the seat, and you get to see it for the first time. So really tough for me for this movie. Like I said, it's 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 a weird feeling because I'm I, I don't want I know it sounds like I hated the movie, and I really didn't hate the movie. It was a good movie. It's just I hated the way they went about it. You you call it multiverse of madness, and it clearly just wasn't that. It wasn't even remotely close to what a multiverse of madness was. And because of that, you had so few cameos and so few opportunities for jaw-dropping moments, but you put them all in the trailer. So you knew all the uh, the amazing things before you even got to the theater. So it was it just wasn't what I like to get out of watching a Marvel movie. But let's let's go through the movie now. Let's go all the way back to the beginning and let's go through this thing kind of scene by scene, because there were tons of things that I did like about this movie, and I want to talk to, about, about those things as well on this episode, because I don't, I don't want to make it sound like I just hated everything from start to finish, because I really didn't. I, For the first probably two-thirds, the first 75% of the movie, I thought it was... I, I really did think it was good. I, was, I mean, I said I was disappointed that I knew that those characters and those moments were coming, but they were still cool to see on the screen for the first time. It was, it was great to see which characters in the Illumina and the Illuminati showed up, but then it, it took a whole turn toward the end, but we'll get to that later. Let's go back to the start of the movie. Like I said, awesome way to start. I mean, I love the cold open because I love the, to always see what the song choices that they use that leads into the Marvel title card that comes up on the screen. But they went a different way this this with this movie, and I thought it was super fun. To come right out of the gates, already instantly going 60 miles an hour down the highway was was fun. It was cool to see Defender Strange and America Chavez was awesome. They jumped through the portal uh, just as the bad guy kills Doctor Strange with his last breath there, kind of. He helps America jump through the portal, and they wind up now into our MCU that we all know. We get Doctor Strange waking up in his bed and getting ready for Christine's wedding. And there's a good scene there with Doctor West and Doctor Strange sitting next to each other at the wedding, giving you a, a, another view of how the blip affected people. But they, to me, they do a very good job here. Very good writing from Michael Waldron to really set up w what an arrogant guy Doctor Strange really is. He's He's grown a lot and he's... He's kind of brought it back and reeled it in a little bit, but the lines that Dr. West delivers really kind of reinforces the fact that for a very long time, it's been the Dr. Strange show, and it's it's all Stephen Strange all the time, and, and Christine hits it home, too, when they have their conversation together with each other at the bar, and she tells him, I, it never would have worked out for us because you were always the person that had to hold the knife. It was always the Stephen Strange show. And I was always going to be second fiddle to you in your own ego. And then right after that, Doctor Strange hears the, the commotion from out on the streets. We get the, the magic suit up and Doctor Strange flying down to see what's going on. And we see America Chavez in the MCU officially for the first time. The Sorcerer Supreme Wong shows up and we get some good comedic moments back and forth between Wong and Doctor Strange. And obviously, they're going to beat this monster and save America Chavez. And then we get to some more comedic moments here when they sit down to eat some pizza and they talk about Spider-Man and, and start going through things with America Chavez and trying to figure it out. Then America Chavez tells them that 
she came here from another universe with another Doctor Strange and to prove her point to to Doctor Strange and Wong, she takes him up on the roof where she hid the body and we see dead Doctor Strange, which is the Defender Strange version and Doctor Strange buries him to hide the evidence. Um some more good lines there about I've buried uh I've buried much worse to Wong, which makes you kind of wonder what uh what else have we not seen from Doctor Strange? What else is he burying up there or or somewhere else in the MCU? So that's a little bit creepy. But uh at that point then we get the the WandaVision music because we realize at this point that the monster had runes on it, which means it wasn't sorcery like what Wong and Doctor Strange practice, it was witchcraft because of the runes. So we get that Wanda WandaVision music that we all remember from Disney Plus. And we know here's here we go. We're we're about to kick it up another notch and we're gonna bring Wanda the Scarlet Witch into this. And then like I said, at this point, I mean I guess some people were surprised that, that Wanda ended up being the bad guy, but I don't know. I just maybe other people weren't watching as many trailers as I watched on this one and, and that's why they were more surprised. But to me the, the, the heel turn on Wanda and the Scarlet Witch actually being the bad guy for the movie. I mean, it was pretty obvious from the trailers that she was going to be the bad guy. You could see the scenes from where the Illuminati was that she had was messed up. She almost looked like a zombie in some of the clips that they showed. So, you know, she's going to be doing stuff. There was there was clips of her walking through all the rubble and the ash at Camertage in some of the trailers. So I, I again, I, I don't know. I just I felt like it was pretty well telegraphed ahead of time that Wanda was going to be, if not the main bad guy in the movie, she was going to be uh, a negative force fighting against Doctor Strange in this movie. So Wanda lets it slip that she knows that they have America Chavez. Doctor Strange obviously figures out that, puts two and two together here, that Wanda is actually the one that's been sending the monsters after America. So he goes back to Camertage to protect America Chavez. Wanda lets him know, I'm coming for her, and if you get in my way, I will take out anybody I need to take out because she is the key to getting back to my boys, and that's what I'm here to do. I got the dark hold with me, and I'm going to find a way to get back to my boys. So she shows up at Camertage, and we got the whole team of, uh, of sorcerers there to try to protect everybody. Probably one of the, one of the uh, first glimpses into the Sam Raimi effect on this movie some some very creepy horror elements to this scene with Wanda sneaking down and whispering into one of the sorcerer's minds and really messing with them to break down the force field so that she could get into the the facility at the first point and then the way Wanda crawls through some of the the the, the gong the, sh- the reflection that that was in the gong there in that room. You hear the the breaking of the bones. It almost looked like the girl from the ring climbing through the TV. So very very creepy scene there. But we 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 learn through America that her powers only come out at this point. She doesn't know how to control them. But anytime she gets really scared or things get intense, that's when these portals activate and open up. So Wanda is wiping through the the team of sorcerers there at Camertage. She catches America Chavez. She gets scared. A portal opens up, and Doctor Strange grabs America and dives through the portal, and we get quite possibly one of the coolest scenes of the entire movie. Now, this, I mean, this one scene could have been what they assumed was the multiverse of badness because they went through probably... 10, 12 different multiverses, but they were only for a fraction of a second. So you didn't really get to experience them, see the characters from them, see them interact in those universes. You just got little quick snippets, but the visuals of this scene were outstanding. Maybe, like I said, the the coolest visual scene of the entire movie. And then they wind up in the universe that had the Illuminati in it, which you don't know, obviously, when they first get there, but it's more, it looks like a futuristic type of, of New York City, um, similar to the MCU that uh, that they started in. Now, for me, this was kind of the first warning sign for me that I was like, oh, are we getting, are we going to have too many corny, like, lame lines in this movie? 
and we got it with when they try to cross the street for the first time, and Doctor Strange goes to step out because the light is green, he almost gets hit by a car, and we get the uh, the first rule of the multiverse is you don't know anything about the multiverse. And, oh my god, in this place, red means go and green means stop. Whew. I mean, if that's not a multiverse of badness, I don't know what is, right? I mean, just lame. Lame. I don't know if that's that's Waldron's writing there with that, that scene and, and those specific lines, or if that was Raimi kind of playing with it and trying to add uh, a joke. But to me, it just kind of fell flat and made me roll my eyes in that moment more than it did laugh. But then they make it over to the um, the Sanctum. And we see Mordo come out, and we learn that Doctor Strange, the Doctor Strange of this universe, uh, passed away fighting Thanos. And we find out that this Mordo, at least at this time, we think, is actually a good guy. We think he's going to help Doctor Strange in America. And then I, I do have to give uh, Zochi Gomez some, some props here. I, I really do think she did a great job in this movie. I, I liked her character in this movie. I think she did good for... I think she was 14 years old or maybe 15 years old when they filmed this movie. So for a kid to to hold her own with, with Benedict Cumberbatch and Elizabeth Olsen for a good part of this movie, a good chunk of the movie, a props to her for being able to pull it off. But in this one scene, when they had, when Mordo gives them the tea that uh, is uh, also obviously got uh, some roofanol in it uh, and knocks them out, the the way uh, America Chavez passes out in the chair was uh, a laughable uh, goofball moment there. Um, but then when these they, the two of them wake up from uh, from being basically roofied, like I said, uh, with this tea, they're in some type of glass box prison. And this was the next line that just absolutely like made me roll my eyes. And I think I even said to my son at this point, I'm like, uh oh, we're we're going to be in trouble with this movie because Mordo comes in and you get this awesome line of you're going to, we're going to take you to see the Illuminati. And before you could even like, be like, Whoa, this is going to be a cool scene. Dr. Strange responds with the Illuminati now. And again, it's just, it was just like the wait, red means go and green means stop. It was really, is this the best that you can come up with is the Illuminati. Ugh. Just hated it. I hated that line. Hated it. So stupid. But again, it is taking us to see the Illuminati for the first time, so that's pretty cool. But then we jump back to where Wanda is back at Carmitage with Wong. And then I guess I mean I, I don't know if this is again the writing's fault here, but they've they've done such a a, a, a long time or a, a lot of work building up the dark hold and what a powerful book this is and it's it it leads to the most dangerous things, and it's connected to the Scarlet Witch, who's the most powerful being in the planet. But then some no-name sorcerer that we've never seen before can completely destroy the book with like a sharp stick. Just a kind of an kind of an odd moment there. Like you would have liked to seen a. Uh, I mean, was, to me, it was a better opportunity for a, a more important character to do sacrifice. I mean, not that I wanted Benedict Wong to to not make it out of this movie, but. If Wong had done something to sacrifice himself to destroy the book at this point, I think it would have hit home a lot better. It would have been a lot more powerful scene, but they destroy the Darkhold nonetheless, and, and Wanda freaks out on Wong. She tries to torture some of the other sorcerers and gets them to admit that there's basically, if you go to Mount Wondergore, everything that's in the Darkhold is transcribed on the walls over there. So Wanda takes Wong, and they fly out. And they head to Wondergore so she can basically continue what she was trying to do, which you learn about is the dream walking is through the dark hold. If you if you know if you have the dark hold and you read through it, you know how it works. You can travel the multiverse if the other person, the other version of yourself is asleep in the other version. And you can go into their body, take it over and basically Almost like Avatar, basically. You you take over their body and you can control what they do. So Wanda goes to Wanda Gore. She does the sleepwalking and she goes, or the dreamwalking, goes into another version of herself and sends it to try to track down America and Doctor Strange at the Illuminati building. Now we get to the scene where Doctor Strange is in front of the Illuminati for the first time. And again, it was 
it was very cool to see which superheroes actually made the cut and were going to be in the movie as the Illuminati. But they, by putting that in the trailer, it it took all the power out of that punch, out of that moment when you saw it for the first time. You you knew it was coming, and it was just a matter of which superheroes that they were going to pick. And to me, the coolest one of the entire team was Professor X, but that's the one character from the Illuminati that you actually left in the trailer. So what could have been the, the, the best moment or the best member from the best moment was put in the trailer. So I just, I don't understand why they did that thing, that did it that way, because it, it takes away from that moment in the theater. But it was it was very cool to see Captain Carter uh, or Captain Britain um, show up in in that scene there. And then we got Black Bolt, and it was shocking to see him. They used the same actor from the ABC show that, really flopped back in the day. Not a lot of people liked that show, uh, but it was cool to see that they still gave that guy a chance and brought him back to be the Black Bolt. We got to see Maria Rambo play Captain Marvel, which she did a great job. She's she's a, a strong, confident actress, really nailed that role. And then we got Jim Halpert from The Office showed up, and he got to play Reed Richards of The Fantastic Four. And then the last moment, they brought in Charles Xavier, which, again, it was it lacked the the pop by knowing that it was coming, but it was still amazing and fun to see Professor X in live version. And he was if if you were a kid from that grew up in the late '80s and and into the '90s, and you got to watch the old X Men cartoon show, it, they I mean it was basically live action version of that Professor X. He had the yellow floating chair. He had the green suit, the blue tie, and you even heard that the the theme song from the cartoon play when he first came out. So just a very cool moment there at the Illuminati when he came out, but it just didn't have that pop because he already knew it was coming. But then at this point, Doctor Strange is doing everything he can to let the Illuminati know that Wanda's on her way and she's going to destroy him and... They're all kind of smug about it. They're like, oh, we can handle your witch. No big deal. We're not afraid of her. And then Wanda shows up, and probably the the goriest or the the most gruesome scenes from the entire movie, she caves in Black Bolt's head by taking away his mouth, and his power is is the the vibrations that come out of his mouth when he talks can can destroy somebody. So she takes his mouth away. He gets freaked out, and the noise that he makes makes his own head cave in. So that was creepy, and then. John Krasinski steps up as Reed Richards tries to tell Wanda, you don't know what you're doing here. You got to calm down. We can help you. She turns him into basically uh, homemade pasta uh, right there in front of everybody. His head explodes. She fights Captain Britain and snaps her in half with her own shield, then makes a giant statue following Captain Marvel. So within five seconds, basically, she's wiped out four members of the Illuminati. So they. They do a very good job in this scene proving to you how insanely powerful and how dangerous Wanda as the Scarlet Witch is. Now, keep that in mind because when we get to the end of the movie, it contradicts itself. So, very cool scene here in the moment, but then the way it it kind of comes back to contradict itself later in the movie is another one of those moments where I'm just like, ugh, why, why? Why did you do it this way? But like I said, in the moment, very cool scene, and then we get Doctor Strange fighting with Mordo, and while these two are going at it back and forth, we cut back to the, the Wanda fight scene, and Charles Xavier shows up. We get another one of those hor- horror moments, one of these jump scares where Charles Xavier is going into Wanda's mind, trying to free Wanda and separate her from the Scarlet Witch. And then we get another very creepy moment when Wanda sneaks in, or Scarlet Witch sneaks in and snaps Professor Xavier's neck from behind. Um, so bye-bye, Professor X. And at this point, Wanda is getting very close to finally catching up to America Chavez. But with the with Professor Xavier slowing her down, Christine is able to bust her out from her cell, and they start to escape. At this point, Doctor Strange is able to kind of overpower Mordo get out of the little trench that he falls into, and then he meets up with Christine and America Chavez, 
We get another one of those horror scenes where zombie Wanda is chasing them through this long, wet tunnel. They're closing doors behind them, and she's blasting through the doors. And we get another one of these jump scare moments where everything kind of slows down. It gets very quiet. And again, I guess strange for me to kind of see how they it, it seemed like Marvel wanted to make this a, a a horror version of an MCU movie. But at the same time, it almost seemed like they were like too afraid to really go all in and, and, and give it the all. It was almost like they were like, let's kind of just test the water. So if we're going to have a jump scare, we're going to telegraph it and slow everything down and really let it build up so that like when you get that jump scare, you're prepared, you're ready to go. It doesn't just absolutely jump out of nowhere and, and, and scare you. Um, so kind of a, a lame jump scare scene there, but uh, Doctor Strange is able to kind of cave the ceiling in and bring in a ton of water and kind of slow Scarlet Witch down to the point where they can get to this portal uh, where Doctor Strange has uh, access to that book of Vashanti that at the very beginning scene that Defender Strange in America were first trying to get to because this book holds the secret on how to defeat the Darkhold and Scarlet Witch. So... They make it through the portal, they get down to the book, and just as they're opening it and, and starting to check it out, Wanda finally catches up to them. She destroys the book, but you get that foreshadowing moment there as the book is being burnt up and destroyed. Doctor Strange looks, and the page that he sees, you see a big star on that page. So, obviously, remember that for the end of the movie, because that'll come back. And at this point, America Chavez gets scared again. Another star portal opens up, but this time Wanda grabs America, holds her, and then uses her powers to send Doctor Strange and Christine through this star portal to separate Doctor Strange from America Chavez. She then opens, has America open another star portal, uses her Scarlet Witch powers to control exactly which universe she goes to with it, Opens up the one where Wanda and Scarlet Witch is up on Mount Wondegore. She throws America Chavez through that portal, and the connection is closed. And now this Wanda can go back to be with her boys, and America Chavez is trapped back in our version of the MCU with America Sha- with Scarlet Witch. And at this point, Doctor Strange and Christine are in that universe where it seems like it's almost, it might be Strange Supreme from the What If cartoon series. We get the the very creepy New York melting and falling in on itself. Tons of waves from the ocean where they shouldn't be in random scenes here and there around the, the steps as they approach the uh, the sanctum. We get the third eye that comes out of Strange Supreme um, as they start talking back and forth. And then we get probably my least, one of my least favorite scenes of the entire movie, and it's the the lame music note fight back and forth with the goofy, over-the-top, cartoony music from Danny Elfman in this scene with the dum-dum-dum-dum-dum every time the bad Doctor Strange does something and the dee 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 when the good Doctor Strange sends the musical notes back at him and just, I hated it. I just, I hated that scene. I thought it was stupid. but. Good Doctor Strange is able to defeat bad Doctor Strange. Uh, and then he reads the Dark Hold and he decides he's going to dreamwalk back to the MCU universe to try to help save America Chavez. Christine gives him the, the speech about, well, how are you going to do it? There's You don't you have to have a body. And you get another kind of corny line of, nobody ever said it has to be a live body. Because if we remember all the way back to the beginning part of the movie, when America Chavez first shows up in the MCU, the the Defender Strange dead body comes back with her, and Doctor Strange buries that. So he uses that dead Doctor Strange to jump into that body, and we get basically a Doctor or, or a Sam Raimi uh, Doctor Strange zombie movie at this point, and zombie Doctor Strange fly, uh, opens a, a, a portal to Mount Wondergore, and then he tames all the the evil spirits uh, the, um, from the underworld to basically replace his flying cloak and fly him up to Mount Wondergore to really be able to battle Wanda face-to-face. And at this point, we get maybe the worst line of the entire movie, and it's when Christine is there to, to help 
as the these evil spirits are coming out of the Doctor Strange that's trying to do the dream walking, she grabs what looks like a big flower vase and a candle and makes like a de facto flame shooter basically and as she starts shooting these evil spirits that are flying around the room she gives the line of go back to hell and just it's just like an eye roll moment for me i just i really wish if he if you remember back from when this movie was was first being talked about scott derrickson was was supposed to be the director for this movie and then somewhere along the lines, they had uh, creative differences, and he left the movie, and that's when they brought in Sam Raimi. And I guess at that point, I should have known that uh, we could be in for some eye-roll moments, because even though Sam Raimi did a, a good job with the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans a long time ago with the first one and, and the second one, the third one really took a turn for the worse, and is is maybe one of, if not the worst, movie in the history of of all the Marvel projects that have come out. Just that Spider-Man 3 movie was hot trash. Um, and I just, I had a bad feeling when, when I heard Sam Raimi was going to get to take over the, the director role with this movie. And, and I feel like that's what you get with that. Those, some of those, those lame lines there. So I, I, I know he wasn't the writer of the movie. Michael Waldron was the writer, but I think back to Michael Waldron came from Rick and Morty, which is a hilarious show. Uh, obviously, very not kid-friendly show. Uh, it's a uh, it's on the lines of a uh, South Park or uh, Family Guy type of adult uh, animated movie, but just a very well-written show. It's it's it is adult humor, but it's very smart humor as well. And Michael Waldron also wrote all of Loki season one, so. I I just don't remember those corny over the top like goofball lines from anywhere in the Loki season. So kind of felt like more like this was uh the the Raimi effect and there was maybe the scene for her to defeat these little creatures flying around but the the lame line of go back to hell. It just I, I could have done without that. Just get that out of the movie. Just it just doesn't fit in the MCU. It's not it's not what we're used to. It's not what, what, what people fell in love with the MCU and their movies. It's not. It just it just stuck out like a sore thumb. And I, I just, it made me roll my eyes right right from my seat there when that happened. But whatever, we'll, we'll move on from that there. So she helps out Doctor Strange while he's trying to do the dream walking. Uh, zombie Doctor Strange shows up. And we get another one of these just eye roll, like lame lines where... At first, it's Wong and Zombie Strange trying to fight with Scarlet Witch. And then, basically, we kind of get that moment where Wong tells Zombie Doctor Strange, hey, unfortunately, we're going to have to sacrifice America at this point. And if she has to sacrifice herself for the greater good of, the, of the, the safety of the multiverse because we cannot afford to let Scarlet Witch get her powers and take over. So you're going to have to kill her and you take her powers so that you can prevent Wanda and Scarlet Witch from from doing what she's trying to do here. And we get this another one of these corny lines from Doctor Strange basically trying to pump up America Chavez and say, no, you can do it, kid. I, I don't need to take control. And I guess this is them trying to bring the arc around on Doctor Strange just like. To me, they, they, you, in Endgame, they absolutely nailed it, nailed it with Iron Man. His arc going from the, the, the stuck-up, uh, arrogant superhero in Iron Man 1 and coming full circle and being the guy that makes the sacrifice play to try to save everybody else. And we kind of get that moment from Doctor Strange here now where his character has always been the, the I got to do it. I got to be in control. This is my thing. I, I know it better than you do. Let me do it my way type of thing. But he has that full circle moment and he basically hands the keys over to America Chavez. But in this scene, you get that, that corny line of like, no kid, you can do it. You're going to kick that witch's ass. And it just, those, those, those lines just stick out like a sore thumb because they just, you don't see them anywhere else in the MCU. It just it reeks of Sam Raimi in his previous movies, and I just hated those moments in the movies. And that's what really kind of brought the 
the the score or the rating down for me. Overall, like I said, still it was a very good movie. I did enjoy the movie, but there was just so many of these little eye roll moments where it really kind of knocked it down the uh the score chart for me here uh with the some of the choices that that Raimi made. But again, the the other thing that I didn't like about this scene was to me they did a great job with the Illuminati fight showing you improving and making it crystal clear that Scarlet Witch is far and away the most powerful force that we've ever seen in the MCU. She can wipe through some of the mightiest heroes in two seconds. But somehow, zombie Doctor Strange just kind of giving a go get him kid speech to America Chavez, now a 15-year-old girl, is going to overpower the Scarlet Witch and, and, and stop her and become the hero of the movie. It just, it was lame. I just, I hated the, the choice that they made there. I, I didn't like the way it went down. And to me, they kind of contradicted themselves here with that, the fact that she can wipe out the Illuminati, but she can't beat this 15-year-old kid. But then earlier in the movie, Doctor Strange says to Wanda, hey, if, if you dreamwalk or, or you take America's power and you go to some other multiverse to be with your kids and you kill the Wanda that's there or you destroy that Wanda or you send her to a different universe, like, where, where does that sit in, with your conscience? Like, for you to get what you want, you have to hurt another version of yourself to get it. And she's basically like, I don't care. I just want to be with my kids. But then at the end of the movie... That's the moment that snaps her back into reality? Like, they already made this point to her and made it clear that you're going to have to destroy another Wanda to make this happen. But then when she sees that, like, battling with another version of herself makes her kids scared, like, that's enough to make her just completely give up on everything and and mail it in at that point? It just, it was just a weak way to to really wrap it all up and, and the most like what should have been the most powerful and, and amazing moment from this movie was just kind of just a it just kind of fizzled out at the end and and to me this is kind of like my last suggestion of how they really could have saved this movie and maybe done it a different way to make it a lot more interesting if you think back to the Wanda Vision series every time Wanda was kind of getting out of control and kind of losing her mind. It was always the vision that brought her back and kind of centered her and kind of got her straightened out. And we all know that the white vision made it out of that show. There is a version of vision in the MCU somewhere flying around. To me, that should have been where they went with it. Like, get rid of the whole Doctor Strange versus the 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 evil Doctor Strange and using the zombie powers to go try to talk to the to the girl. It should have been Doctor Strange dream walked somehow to go find the White Vision, explain to him what was going on, and then had want, uh, and then had Vision show up at the end of the movie and have Vision be the one to kind of sent recenter Wanda and pull her out of the the Scarlet Witch persona and and make her realize like hey. If you do this, you're going to hurt a lot of other versions of yourself. You're going to it's not going to be the right move for your kids in these other universes. Let's focus on you and I together and restarting here in the MCU. And to me that just would have been a much better way to to bring it all together and close out this movie because that was some of the best parts of the WandaVision series. It it really felt like all the emotion and all the, the goodwill that you built up in the WandaVision series between Wanda and Vision together as a couple with their boys, it, it just, it all got like thrown in the trash and just like, like it was like the, the writer and Michael Waldron and Sam Raimi just were like, eh, it, it, they didn't even, it was almost like they didn't even watch the WandaVision series. It was, it was really strange, no pun intended, that they chose to just completely completely go in another direction and and not even use the vision like even if it even use them in that scene like how do you have an entire movie with wanda and not bring the vision in somewhere along the line and and reconnect those dots because that was one of the last things that happened in the wandavision series is is white vision or the vision that we knew that was that was good with wanda 
basically downloaded all of his memories and, and his personality into that white vision. So the fact that they just left that out there and, and didn't bring that around and get him involved in the movie somehow, I don't know. I just, like I said, with, on top of all the other things, it's, it's just it's what made me so aggravated with this movie. I, I hated the title because, it, to me, it did not match up with what you actually got. I hated that they gave away all the good spoilers in the trailers, and I hated that you didn't have White Vision show up in this movie somewhere. So, But again, even with all that said, like I said, I still did enjoy the movie. It was still a good movie. It was better than a good handful of other movies that have come out from the MCU, but it did have those, those, those few moments there where it just absolutely like made my skin crawl, but... Then we get to the, the mid credit scene, and we get Clea, who shows up for the very first time, so that's cool to get Charlize Theron into the MCU, another new character here, um, so it'll be interesting to see where Doctor Strange and her go. Um, we did get that Doctor Strange will return message at the end of the credits, but then, the moment that, like I said earlier in this episode, made me mumble some four-letter words under my breath, in the theater, was you wait. As an MCU fan, you know, and one of the coolest things about MCU movies is they use the mid-credit scenes and the end-credit scenes to build into the next projects. And that's definitely clearly what they did with the mid-credit scenes. It's building into, if not the next Doctor Strange movie, it's, it's going to show up at some point. There's going to be more stories to tell with Doctor Strange with what happened between him and Clea. But then... You sit as a fan through those 12, 15 minutes of credits to get that one last little tidbit of, of that one last Marvel nugget to kind of hold you until the next show, the next movie, the next project that's coming up. And they bring back Bruce Campbell. Because earlier in the movie, I didn't even mention it earlier, when they first go to that, that multiverse that had the Illuminati in it, I guess maybe this was the, the surprising cameo was... Sam Raimi's buddy Bruce Campbell shows up as a, a pizza salesman on the street and Doctor Strange puts a spell on him that makes him punch himself in the face for three weeks. And that is your end credit scene as we bring it back to Bruce Campbell at his pizza truck on the side of the road, punches himself in the face. Horrible acting. <laughs> Horrible acting, by the way. Punching himself in the face for a couple of times and then all of a sudden, the spell wears off, and he laughs, breaks the fourth wall, looks at the camera, and says, It's all over! Cut to black. Ugh, just drove me insane. It was really, what like, kind of pushed me over the edge of, like, Ah, oh, you know, this was okay. It was an okay movie. There were some things that I didn't like about it. But then, when Sam Raimi made it clear that it was more important to him to get a cameo for his buddy and use that moment from the end credits to give him one more little ha-ha moment. Ugh, it lost me. You just, you lost me there, Sam. So, that is it. That's going to wrap up this episode of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Like I said earlier, to me, I, I am one of those guys that loves to debate. I love to go back and forth. I, I enjoy talking to people that have different opinions than me. And you learn from each other, you find out what other people like, you find out how your opinions sit with them, and you go back and forth, and that's the fun of it all. I have no no bad feelings towards anybody that absolutely loved this movie, thought it was great, loved everything about it. Good for you. That's Nothing makes me happier, like I said, just with Back to Turning Red. The, the fact that I hated that movie, but it made somebody else out there absolutely love the movie, I mean, that's what this is all about. Everybody gets something different out of these projects, and there's nothing wrong with people seeing things a different way and going back and forth and talking about it, as long as at the end, you don't hold it against anybody. Everybody's different, and we all like different things, so either way, whether you like Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness or you didn't, let's hear it. Reach out to me, please. Find me on Instagram, at the DMSW Podcast. Shoot me an email, thedmswpodcast at gmail.com. And let's talk about it. I want to hear from you guys. So please, reach out. And the last thing I want to say here for this episode today is I had mentioned Mindy from the M&M podcast, M&M Disney podcast. 
earlier in this episode. I also want to mention Emily Sullivan from the Make It Magical podcast. If if you're enjoying my show and you you like what I have to say and you're having fun listening to my episodes, listen, I I fully understand that I am still very much a rookie at this. I got a long way to go. I I need a lot more practice and I hope to keep getting better and making better episodes, more and more entertaining episodes for you guys. But the three of us here from these three shows, the DMSW podcast, the M&M Disney podcast, and the Make It Magical podcast, we're all rookies together. We all got into this Disney content game right about the same time. We all have just about the same amount of episodes. So if you're having fun listening to me and supporting me as a Disney podcast rookie, please go check out Mindy and Emily's podcast as well. We're all in this together. And uh, we've uh, kind of formed a little friendship here um, through social media. And uh, teamwork makes the dream work. And Team Disney Podcast rookies here. So, like I said, if you're having fun checking out my show, please go check out their show as well. And that's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode. Hopefully you don't hate me if you enjoy this movie. Like I said, let's talk about it. Reach out. Let's get the conversation going. So, take care, everybody. Have a good night. And thanks for checking out the DMSW Podcast.